thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's none like him. Amen. None like him. None like him. And if you don't know that there's none like him, you may not know him the way that I know him, but I'll tell you, he wants you to know him the way that others may know him. But when you know that there is none like him, then you can't help but give him praise and thanksgiving and to bless him and to honor and maybe shout or clap your hands or uh, sometimes even his presence, we just get undignified even because I know what it is that he rescued me from, what he brought me through, amen. How many of you know there's been through some things that we go through that when you're in it, you don't know that how you'll ever get out or if you'll get out, but then you can look back over your life and realize I made it, I came through that, amen. And if it had not been for the Lord, amen, had it not been for the Lord and his strength and his mercy and his forgiveness, had it not been for the Lord and, 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 and him reaching down his hand and helping me, hallelujah, had it not been for the Lord just guiding me and helping me, even sometimes that we can look back and see where, where God was helping us even when we didn't ask for it, even maybe when we were unworthy to think that he would even reach out his hand and help, but he guided us through and he helped us, amen, anyway, amen, he's a loving God, he's a grateful God. He's a gracious God. Aren't you thankful for who that he is? Amen. I'm thankful that when we, when we make people mad, they won't help us. But when, even if you make God a little upset, he will always be there. Amen. He's just a call away. Amen. That, 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 that people will get offended with us and they'll get upset with us and they'll write you off. But aren't you glad that he doesn't write you off? Aren't you glad that, that, that even the word of the Lord says that if you call unto him, that he will answer. I'm grateful he doesn't ignore my text. I'm grateful he doesn't ignore my calls to heaven. I'm grateful that when I'm standing in the need of prayer, amen, that he is there, that he didn't just ignore me, and, and we just don't get a non-reply, but that he is faithful. Amen. Aren't you glad for who he is? That God is not like you and I. He is not a man that he should lie, the Bible says. But and he, he is not man that he would be like us or act like us. Amen. You and I, we get moody. We have mood swings. Come on, somebody. Uh, so, some of us have good days and bad days. I'm grateful that we serve a God that doesn't get moody. I'm grateful and thankful that I serve a God that doesn't have have mood swings, hallelujah, but that he's consistent, he's steadfast, and that I know that when I go to him, I know that he's a loving God, he's a caring God, he's a forgiving God. I know already what his heart is. I know that the God that we serve is a healer, miracle worker, deliverer. Come on, help me somebody. We know who God is. I'm grateful he's not like you and I. You might see me on Monday and you don't might not know what mood I may be in, but I know when I wake up on Monday what mood he is in. I know I know how he will respond. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes the preacher gets moody. Sometimes your sister, your brother, your spouse gets moody. Sometimes we go to work and we wish we hadn't. Come on. But the God that we serve is not moody. I might have to preach that someday. He is not a moody God. He is consistent. He is steadfast. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His word lets us know who he is. And so I know when I go to him in prayer, I already know what I'm going to get. How many have ever tried to talk to somebody and you didn't know what the response would be? You didn't know what you were going to get. You were nervous because you thought they might blow up. You didn't know if they would blow up or burst into tears. But I know that when I go to God, based on his word, I know how he will respond. Because he's a good God, a loving God, a powerful God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My, my, my. 
My, my, my. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. For your goodness and your greatness and your mercy. Hallelujah. Even when I don't see that he's working, he's moving. Even when I don't hear nothing, he's moving and he's working. Amen. Even when, I, when it doesn't feel like anything's changing, he's at work. Hallelujah. Some of you in this place need to know that no matter what it is you don't see, he's at work even now in your life, in circumstances that are beyond our control and things that we cannot control. He's working. Hallelujah. He is working. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Amen. See, we even when, 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 when things are different on a Sunday morning, we can still have church. Amen. Even when lots of people are out sick and this and that, we can still have church. Amen. Because the Bible declares, amen, that he is present. Amen. That he even inhabits the praises of his people. Somebody came to praise the Lord today and to lift up the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but sometimes we just have to escape, get away, get in his presence and know it's going to be all right. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Whoo, Lordy. That, what I said to you already could be a message. Hallelujah. God's not moody. Mm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's not moody. Hallelujah. I want to share with you a word today. Are you ready? Go to your Bibles. I pray you have them with you. If not, we'll throw it on the screen. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. I, I want to preach to you today. I pray everyone who isn't able to be here in person today is watching online because I, I was preaching. I wanted to preach this message today because how many of you know there's a lot going on? Man, in our lives, individually, corporately, as churches, and as the body of Christ in our nation, there's a lot going on. In our nation, there's a lot going on. But how many of you know, just let's make it, break it down and keep it personal today, that we, we all know that we go through storms. I'm not much to preach on storms and things of that nature, but how many of you know there's just a lot going on? And some of you might be experiencing one thing after the other and found yourself saying, God, when is it ever going to let up? God, when is something going to break? God, why, why is it that I go through one thing only to hit another. I mean, one calamity and one catastrophe after another. I, I found myself that this week going through one thing after the, it just has seemed like a flurry of events. If it wasn't sickness or the possibility of it, then it was my vehicle. If it wasn't the vehicle, maybe it's something financial for you. If it wasn't something financial, maybe it was spiritual. Maybe it was emotional. Amen. But it just seems like in, in many aspects of life, there were many areas of our life that seemed to be untouched from trouble. Come on, somebody. And so there are some storms that we've been enduring. And God gave me a word to share with you today out of the Luke chapter 8 familiar uh, story today. But I, I promise you, I'm going to do my best to help show you some things maybe you've never seen before in the text. Luke chapter 8, because God wants you and I to be steady in the storm. Amen. Amen. He wants you and I to be steady in this storm. How many of you know we're not always steady? Brother, it's good to see you. 
Cynthia knows she works in the office with me. Lois knows she works in the office. Mom knows she works in the office. That I'm not all, I, there's times I'm not always steady, Sister Ramona. Oh, come on. Thank you. We're, see, we can be transparent. But how many of you know what I'm learning about God? What he spoke to me this week is, Adam, I'm trying to get you to be. I, I said, God, why is it one thing after the other? And it's only like God could say, because I'm trying to make you steady. And I thought, well, Lord, that's a word for the body of Christ. How many of you know there are some people, how many of you know somebody that's wishy-washy? They're your friend today and then not so much tomorrow. Amen. I, I have friends like that that we may not agree politically and they won't be my friend. Are you crazy? Some of my best friends are people I don't agree with theologically, politically. All, are you hearing me? I, I'm deeper than a political party. Come on. I'm, I'm deeper than a theological debate. And, and, and are you hearing what I'm saying? And so uh, I'm not that kind of shallow person, but there are some people I know that they're here today and gone tomorrow. They're fair weather friends. Amen. They're, 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 only, they're only present with you till, till you fulfill the need they have of you. And once you've, you've served that need, now they have no longer have use of you and they'll move on to use somebody else. Come on. But I'm thankful that we have a God. He says, Adam, I want you to be steady. Don't lose heart when people walk away from you. Don't lose heart when they use you and lose you. But I want you to be steady. Don't lose your mind. Don't allow your heart to be broke. But I want you to be steady. Adam, even if I don't fix this for you, even if I as your heavenly father don't intervene and make this right i need you to be steady come on somebody lord adam even if you never become a rich man i want you to be steady adam even if i never supernaturally heal your back i want you to be steady or somebody hearing what i'm saying god is needing a people now more than ever we can look at our world and we can look at our country and we think some people have lost their mind when the news broke yesterday about that shooting in pittsburgh at a funeral i thought lord we've lost our mind and the reason the world has lost their mind is because the church has ceased to be steady Oh, let's just preach truth today. We cannot blame the world for craziness. We have to bring it back to us and say the world has lost their mind because the church has lost our mind. We stopped being steady. We stopped. I was singing earlier during rehearsal of the old rugged cross. And I will cling to the old rugged cross. We stopped clinging a long time ago. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? And when the whole body of Christ as a whole stops reaching and clinging to the rugged cross, it will start doing crazy things. The, the church starts being influential in the world. This text is all about, I, I, I'll tr do my best to try and lay it out for you. You're going to see the world and the church in the same text. Hallelujah. But God wants you and I to be steady in the storm. Let's read this before I start preaching. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 8, look at beginning verse 22. And verse 22 through 26. Hallelujah. Let's read. It says in verse 22, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. And he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, Jesus. And there came a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. And then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased. And there was a calm. And he said unto them, where is your faith? 
And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? Think about that statement there just a second. They said, what manner of man? They've been with Jesus all this time, and they still see him as a man. They said, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. Verse 26, watch this. And they arrived. And they arrived at the country which is over against Galilee. Oh, hallelujah. And they arrived. Say they arrived. I'm grateful and thankful they arrived. This is a great illustration because they arrived, you will arrive. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. We're going to use that text today to really try to dissect and bring a word that I believe is, is effective and absolute for where you and I are at today. Hallelujah. S to be steady in the storm to be steady in the storm. God wants you and I to be able to be steady, not frantic. God wants you and I to be steady, not frantic, not anxious, not fretful in the storm, but, but remain steady in the storm. He, he needs you and I. We must be steady. Hallelujah. Have you ever noticed something? I started noticing this about God a long time ago, but even more and more, especially when the storms come one right after the other, I noticed that God is not always big on details. Even in this text, Jesus sort of says to them, let us go to the other side of the lake. He doesn't at all prepare them for what's going to happen while they're on the lake. Come on. He, he doesn't at all prepare them that, 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 hey, I'm going to take a nap and, and, and you're going to be filled with fear and, and, and come and have to wake me up. How many know that sometimes God will tell you and I something? God has given our church great vision. But in the process of, he shows us the end from the beginning, but he doesn't show us the middle. How many know that sometimes God is short on the details of things, and, and, and it's in the details we start doubting and wondering, God, where are you? God, are you hearing me? Lord, you said you're an ever-present help, but Lord, I don't see you anywhere around this. This is a mess. God, I, I'm enduring something I never thought that I would endure. God, why does it seem so intense and so, so, so trouble? Think about it this way. Most of our marriages start out good. I mean, you know, come on. Anybody else ever had a, one of those marriages, you know, and then it didn't go so well and, you know. Uh, I know, we all, everybody in the church has perfect marriages. Lois and David never fight. Hallelujah. Amen. Brandon and Cindy, they're, they're in love. Haven't you ever noticed they're always in love and, and, and googly-eyed and, and, and whispering sweet nothings and passing love notes. Even in Brandon can't even play drums. She comes up and passes him love notes. Haven't you ever noticed? Always in love. They don't have a middle. Right? There, there's no middle. There's no bad part. Right, the honeymoon just has, has continued all the 10 years later. The honeymoon's still going on. Yeah, right. There's a middle. Come on. Uh, when, when, when you and I fall in love and when us men and nowadays when the women get on their knee and propose to their man, amen, Diane is a woman enough. She'll get on one knee and, and propose to a man when she finds the man, amen. <laughs> she says, I'm not doing that. Hallelujah. The truth of the matter is, is when we're in love like that, we don't see the middle. 
when we get on one knee and we propose to someone and we're so in love, we don't see the trouble that's going to come down the road. We don't see unfaithfulness. We don't see how they'll make us so mad we'll want to spit nails. We don't see that, that sometimes we'll just, we don't see financial trouble. We don't see bankruptcy coming. We don't see repossessions in our future. All we see is all this googly-eyed love. When we have a baby, we, all we see is that cute little loving baby. When I hold my grandson, all I see is how adorable and cute they are, right? And all of that. But I don't see the middle that he's going to come an adolescent and he's going to do to his mother what she did to me and then some. Uh-huh. But right now, all we see is a little Warren. Oh, isn't he adorable? And we buy all the cute stuff, and we ooh and ah over them. We're not seeing the middle just yet. Now, those of us who have lived a little, and we, we were once young, we know the middle's coming. But my daughter's still yet naive. She, she thinks he's never going to do what she did. I said, oh, honey, he is going to do that and then some if you're not careful. Hallelujah. I said, you better start praying now. God, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on me. Hallelujah. Because we don't always see the middle, whether it's a baby or it's a marriage. Amen. How many have ever been on a flight? I've been on a few, not many, but a few, but the flight will take off good, but it is the middle. Oh, Lord. It's not even the landing that scares me. It is when you're in the air and they just... Like this, there's nothing that makes me cry Jesus more than when that plane starts just randomly dropping because it's the middle that can be challenging. It's the middle that we're not prepared for, amen. There's been jobs that I've had. They started off really good, and then suddenly it didn't go so good, amen, because often God is, is not clear on the details when he shows us something. Jesus was not full of details when he said, let us go to the other side of the lake, Right? It is often the things that happen along the way in the middle that are their most disruptive in life. The reason that you and I often lose our cool, the reason I can lose my temper quick is because it is the things in the middle that are disruptive. It's the stuff that happens in the middle of the day on Monday that'll make me get upset. Right? It, it, my day started good, but when, when the day starts good and things are going well, or I'm in a season where things are going well, or we had a great church service, and then some demon sticks his head up and tries to take away what God did at that morning, it will cause everything inside of me to come alive, right? Because it, 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 there's things that will rise up that become disruptive in our lives and, 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 and causes us not to be steady, but it's those things in the middle that challenge our ability to be steady. And God says, I want you to be steady in the storm, Adam. Steady in the storm. Hallelujah. God wants to teach you and I some lessons that I believe only the storms can teach you. How many of you know there are some things you and I have learned that we would have only learned had we had gone through it? Oh, that some of you are more wise in who you pick as your friends because of the ones who betrayed you. Amen. That sometimes we're, we're more wise even with church people because we know. Oh, come on. I know it's all the ones who aren't here. We'll, we'll blame them because they're, they're not here, right? That, that sometimes people aren't always as they appear. But it's, had I not gone through some of the things I've gone through, I would not have learned the lessons that I learned by going through it. See, you can tell me something, but, but telling me something and then me living it is two totally different things. 
There are some things we just don't understand fully until we go through it. That's why it's real important. We don't judge somebody in their situation till you've lived it. Come on, somebody. That's truth right there. And so many times as a church, we'll, we'll often look and judge a situation and judge somebody's lifestyle and, and decisions they've made. But, but until you have lived it, you better hold your tongue because it might be lurking around the corner for you or it might touch your family. It might, you know, everybody has an opinion about things they don't understand. But I don't need opinions from people who have never lived it because they don't understand it. They don't have the understanding that I, that I know people who have gone through it have an understanding and a revelation of. Come on, somebody, because there are some lessons we only learn by going through it. Don't try to give me counsel on marriage until, until you've successfully or, or really, really revamped yours. Don't try to give me wisdom on finances if you're barely getting by too. Oh, hallelujah. I need some people who have been steady in the storm and made it to the other side. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. Let us cross over to the other side. Hallelujah. Soon on this journey of the text we read, Jesus begins to find out exactly who is with him in the storm. How many of you find out who you have when you go through the storm? Uh Uh-huh. You find out what your spouse is made of in the storm. Right, we, we go back, we, we can be all googly-eyed and in love in the beginning, but you really never know who someone is made of and what they're made of until you go through a tough time. You, in fact, you don't even know who your prayer warriors are in the body of Christ until you go through something. You know, all those church people who say cliche things like, oh, I'll be praying for you, but they're not grabbing your hand and praying right now. You don't really know who you have until you go through a storm. You, you don't know who you can depend on until you get just random calls to say, hey, how are you? You, you don't know those things. You, you don't really know who your friends are, who your spouse is. You don't know. It, we, there's times I didn't know if I hired good people or bad people until we went through a tough spot. Right? You didn't know. You didn't know until, until things get tough. You, you, you don't know who's with you in the storm until pressure is applied. Hallelujah. And I I believe that storms are built into God's plan for getting you and I to the other side. You need to know that right now. The storms of your life right now, what you're enduring in this moment, what you're just coming out of or what you're just going into, you need to know they are built into God's plan. I want you to understand that when Jesus said to them, let us go to the other side, his intention of going to the other side, the storm was already a part of his plan. You need to know that what what you are enduring right now was already factored in to God's intention of you getting to the other side. Oh, see, that's why when we opened up this morning, we began to say Ephesians 3.20, that he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that you and I can ever think or ask. You need to know that what you are enduring is not bigger than your God, that what you're enduring is built into the plan that God has for you. Are you hearing me? Even if we're sick, that sickness, God says, I've built that into the plan to get you to the other side. 
if you're in a place of limitation, God says, I've built that in to the plan to get you to the other. Are you starting to hear what I'm telling you today? God wants some people to be steady. In other words, he says, I don't want you to lose your mind or lose your cool. I don't want you to scream and yell and, 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 and throw a tantrum. Adam, I need you to be steady in the storm. So know this, know that whatever trouble you are enduring, I built that in. Oh, hallelujah. Think about it this way. When the hurricane hit Florida and we saw such catastrophic damage, some structures remained and some structures did not. The structures that remained, it was built in to them to endure the winds and the water. Some of those walls, did you see some, Rick, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, some of those walls, I mean, they were like 36 inches thick concrete of those hotels and they stood. They were built they were built factoring in that there would be a storm one day that would come. Somebody needs to start hearing what I'm saying. They were built understanding that a storm would come one day that, that would test its endurance and its strength. God needs you to understand that he has designed and built you in such a way that you can withstand whatever it is that you come up against. Hallelujah. More than that, he said in his word, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In other words, it might look like the, war, the storm and the, and the waves are going to knock you out and take you out. It might look like and it might even feel like sometimes you're never going to make it and you just wish it would be over. But God's saying, I've already factored the storm into where I'm trying to get you to. God, so in other words, God's not worrying. God's not sweating. Sometimes we're freaking out. And we're wondering, God, are you ever going to show up? And you know, God isn't it's sitting on the throne in heaven with beads of sweat wondering, how am I going to get Adam out of this? No, he's saying, I factored it in. It's all part of the plan to get you where I, where I designed for you to go. It, 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 it's, all, it's all in there. It, it's prego. It's in there. Hallelujah. It, it, it's in there. It, it's in there. So you need to start looking at your trouble. You and I've got it. When, when financial trouble strikes, hallelujah, Cynthia, when, when trouble happens, when health issues, you need to just start. Don't lose your cool. Just go to God. Say, God, I thank you. That this is all, that's why your word says in Romans chapter 8, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Why? Because it's, it, he factored it into the plan. See, we start getting angry and anxious when sicknesses arise or when trouble comes or financial things happen or when problems happen or marriage, it's factored in there. God says, I, I knew this from the beginning before I formed you in your mother's womb. You were predestined. I, I, I knew what your life would look like when you were, when you fell in love, you didn't see this trouble, but I saw this trouble. And God says, I factored it all into the equation of how to get you there. And I knew this trouble would help to help you to understand more of who I am. See, that's really what it's about. When you and I go through trouble, it isn't about you. I know we're such a self-absorbed, conceited society that all of our society consists of is selfies and posting stuff. We're all caught up on ourselves. I mean, you know, that's what it is. <laughs> I won't even go there. I was somewhere this week and someone said, oh, I need to take a selfie with you. I said, no, really, that's okay. They said, no, I really want to take a selfie. I said, no, really. I said, I'm not in the mood, nor do I look like I need to take a selfie right now. I, I looked a wreck. I had been working outside and doing stuff. I didn't look like I needed to take a selfie, but I'm grateful and I'm thankful that they thought enough of me to take it. They wanted a selfie. I said, another day, another time. 
because you were excited that you saw me after all this time. That's great. Great. What's so you can post and say, look what I did. Because we're all hung up on us and God's saying, wait a minute. The storm, it really isn't about you anyway. Oh, I know we like to make it about us. But it really isn't about you anyway. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All God's trying to get you to understand is that he has, he has equipped you with everything that you need for the storm that you were facing. He's equipped you for everything that you need. Hallelujah. See, the, the art that, I, that I've learned about the storm is not fixing the storm. How many of you know that many of us are fixers or else I try to be? Yesterday was like a tinker day. I was fixing everything that needed fixed. I had my toolbox out. <laughs> Some of it's sort of fixed. What I couldn't fix right, duct tape, wire, it all worked. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're sort of people, even as men, we're designed to be fixers. But even often women are fixers because you learn that you have to be, because you can't depend on Nobody else. Who, who else are you going to depend on? So you got to do it. Uh, hallelujah. Glory to God. We're often fixers. The, the art I learned about the storm, though, is not fixing the storm. The first thing you and I always try to do when trouble comes is try to fix the storm. But what God showed me through this text is the storm is not yours to fix. The storm is yours to survive. Oh, I'll bring this home and show you what I mean here eventually. Because first of all, you cannot always fix the storm. How many know there are some things that we are enduring that we absolutely cannot control? There are some things that we endure that we go through that there's just nothing. We feel like our back's against the wall. The first thing I want you to understand to, to, to absolve yourself of the responsibility of trying to figure your way out of this is that first of all, let it go and realize this is not yours to fix. How, that you don't have to have the answer and a way out all the time, every time. Amen. I'm a fixer. I, I'm one of those that if you bring me a problem and if you didn't bring me a solution, I'll give you the solution, but you probably won't like it. That's why I always tell leadership, don't bring me problems, bring me amen. Oh, hallelujah. That's something moms had to learn the hard way. <laughs> she said to me a time or two, I'm sorry, I brought you problems and I forgot I was supposed to bring you solutions. Yep, but then I gave the solutions and you don't always like the solutions I give. Hallelujah, right? Listen, there are storms that you and I will endure that you don't always have to fix. So you need to absolve yourself of that responsibility. Stop allowing the devil to torment you with it and stealing your joy and stealing your peace. And you think and somehow you have to fix everything that is wrong in your life when you don't. Hallelujah. Every storm that comes your way is not your job to fix. Hallelujah. The, the, the problem with that is that some of us, some of us pride ourselves that we, we, we enjoy a fixer-upper. Uh-huh. Some of us enjoy fixer-uppers. Some of you are so gifted and good at fixing people that you even bring fixer-upper people into your life. Friends, spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, the, your, your closest friends, people on the job, they're, everyone around you is a fixer-upper because it allows you to feel needed. 
Oh my God, we're about to get into a counseling session and you're not even in the office. Are you hearing me? That sometimes we have to surround ourselves with people that need fixed because it enables me to feel needed. Because I feel so little on my own and my only way I feel of any value is if I'm having to constantly fix somebody. Uh, that's why some marriages work even in their dysfunction. And the only reason they're working in their dysfunction is because one person is a wreck and the other person ha has a real need to feel needed. And the only way they feel needed and a value is if they're always fixing them. I don't have time to even get into that today, but that's all for free for you. Hallelujah. You can take that home and ponder on that. But I, I, I'm saying that to help you to understand the people that are in your life. You can't have all fixers uppers in your life. You've got to have somebody that's giving something back to you. It's speaking into your life that's able to pray for you and help you with a problem. Not everything and everyone needs to be a project. Hallelujah. 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 See, you're not on this boat to fix the storm. Hallelujah. When they, when they set sail, everything was fine. And the Bible says that Jesus was taking a nap. I want you to understand something, that this journey is a prophetic journey. See, you thought it was just a story about Jesus and the disciples crossing over to the other side, but it's even more than just a real story that happened. It's a prophetic story. Because I want you to see something about this story, Cynthia, that the, the, the church, I want you to see the church as the boat and the sea as the world. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't that good, Ma? I got, I could get into some end time stuff right about now. There's, a, there's an end time uh, uh, prophetic utterance about this text, but I, I, I don't have time to even go there with it. L listen to me. The, 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 the boat is the, is the church and the, and, the, and the water is the world. I'm going to say something that you might find uh, confusing just briefly. Bible says that though we are in the world, we are not of the world. But remember what I just said, that the church is the boat and the world is the water. So if here we are trying to navigate the church to the tempest of the world, in other words, see, see, we are in it, but not of it. Though we get tossed and beat to and fro. See, see, we can't get the, we, we can't get the boat to work without putting it in the water. And the church doesn't work without the world. Do you know how many times the church has tried to operate independently of the world? you got to follow me here. I said it might be confusing for a moment. The church tries to do its thing without the world. That's why the Bible says you and I are in the world, but not of the world. In other words, the, the boat, the church don't work without being in the, in the world. That trouble is going to come. Things are going to throw us about and, and, and throw us to and fro. But the church doesn't operate. If you have studied church history, then you'll know there have been times where the church has tried to, to ostracize itself from the world and it never has worked. We've migrated, we've, we, 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 we've tried to leave certain areas and go to others and stay off to ourselves and, and exclude ourselves and all of those things. But the church is, is in the world, but not of the world. And so sometimes we'll get tossed about because of what's happening in the world. 
Oh yeah, but my boat only works if I'm if I'm launched out into the waters. Amen. The only way that the church operates and grows is if we're throwing our nets into the world, right? The, 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 the only way that the church grows is, is if we preach the message of salvation to every sinner to let them know that there is hope in Jesus Christ. And so here, without the world, the church isn't growing, the church isn't working. Are you following what I'm trying to say? Hallelujah. So we are in the world, but not of the world. We'll get thrown to and fro because of what's happening around us. Hallelujah. But I'm not going to sink. I'm not going to go under. Amen. Because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. The church only works in the world. And the world that you and I are in is unpredictable. That's why I said it's unpredictable. That's why it sometimes takes one phone call, one text message, or one email, or it takes one random thing to throw you and I over the edge. A storm. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because storms don't always warn you that they're coming. My phone, it sends me alerts when, when it's about to rain. It'll say rain will begin nearby in about 13 minutes. So I'll say, let me take the dog out real quick. When, it, when thunderstorms happen or snowstorms happen, it'll give me an alert. Get ready, hunker down, get the bread and milk. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But how many of you know there are some storms that you and I encounter in this life that they don't send an alert? It's just a random text message or something just flares up out of nowhere and suddenly, uh, uh, suddenly we're, 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 we're distraught. Suddenly we're upset. Hallelujah. We don't get warnings all the time that we're going to lose our job. We don't get warnings that someone's going to turn against us and, and that was a friend and now they're an enemy. We don't get warnings that people are going to walk away. We don't always get a warning that depression is going to strike. We don't always get a warning that the devil's going to raise his, his head and do something catastrophic in our life. We don't ever get to any warning. And so in other words, we don't, we don't always get to pick the storms that we face. Haven't you ever noticed God doesn't ask your opinion about what you go through? God doesn't come down and say, Adam, would you rather have a heart attack or would you rather you lose your foot? Adam, do you want to battle depression today or, or would you really just endure, uh, would you prefer someone just to walk away? Adam, do you want to battle a headache or a toothache? Adam, do you want to struggle with suicidal thoughts or disability today? doesn't ask our opinion it's not a buffet what you want to go through today adam no, he built you and i in such a manner that the storms that you and i will face it's already factored in he constructed you and i in such a way it's already factored in hallelujah hallelujah we don't get to hand we don't get to pick what god's going to hand you and i because we don't get to control the storm to everybody in here that's a control freak like I can be at times, the only time that some of us feel safe is when we're in control. The reason why some of you always have to be the one driving is because you're a control freak. And because uh, you only feel safe if you're the one behind the wheel. Meanwhile, you're crazy behind the wheel. Right? Some of them hold their breath when I start driving the big church bus. I don't know why. I can get that thing in in tighter places than it was made to park. But they hold their breath in fear. 
Let me put it this way. I don't like to fly. The reason I don't like to fly isn't just the drops. It's because I can't fly. If the pilot passes out, I can't land the plane. And I want to know that if I'm on that plane and something goes wrong, I can control it. Same reason every surgery I've ever had, Rick, I get nervous and sweaty and they got to give me Valium and stuff because I can't sleep the night before. I'm jittery. I'm, you know why? Because I, I don't know enough to operate on myself. If I could, I'd cut myself and do what needed fixed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But guess I'm not one of those doctors, you know? And so I, I don't like a scenario, Sister Ramona, that I cannot control. And so the reason God doesn't give you and I a choice on what storm we want is he says, because the storm is not for you to control. Oh, see, the next time life hits you out of nowhere, you just need to say, I hear you, God. This isn't for me to control. I'm going to stay steady in the storm. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying to you today? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bible says they got on the boat. My watch trying to talk to me. They, they got on the boat and they were so tired. Notice the text that says that they were so tired that Jesus went to bed. Now the Bible says it lets us know that Peter goes everywhere Jesus goes. So Peter was tired too, but Jesus is the one that went, went to sleep. How many, of you, how many of you have been tired before the storm ever started? Oh, thank you, Jesus. You've been tired before the storm ever started. The worst time to have a storm is when you're already tired. How many have ever had something rise up in your life? And when it rose up in your life, you were already so tired, you, didn't, you just broke down. I've had those things happen where there's been times something went wrong in my life, brother, and, and it, it, it just was the wrong moment. That happened last Monday. In the wee hours in the morning, I just broke. I said, God, you've got to be kidding me. Now? We had a good time last Sunday. It was great. It was blessing, all those things. And then the wee hours, I said, you've got to be kidding. And I found myself typing an email to the staff. I won't be here on Monday. God, why does it have to be one thing right after the other? Why, if it's not this area, why does more than one area of my life have to be attacked and touched by a storm right now? Hallelujah. The worst time to have a storm is when you're already tired. But see, that's why the enemy waits until you're tired, till you're exhausted, till you feel like you're, if one more thing hits, you're going to lose it. He waits until that moment because he understands that that's when you're at your weakest anyway. Hallelujah. But I, but, but I want you to be encouraged that the, the, the Bible says over and over, we see through all throughout Scripture that, that it shall come to pass it shall come to pass that the, the, the bible would say and it shall come to pass that this will happen you need to know that every storm that ever came to pass in scripture and in your life it it has come to pass it is over amen some of the biggest storms of this life that you and i have ever endured some of the biggest things you've ever been through they are already over it's over it has come to pass hallelujah things happened things went wrong but it is over hallelujah thank you jesus for getting me through getting me through through there's been many times in our life some of you have thought this probably many times that in your life that you've gone through something and you've thought that you were never going to make it and as many times as I've thought God I don't know how I'm ever going to make it you know that when I think back over things that I thought I'd never make it through half of them I can't even remember now 
Think about your life. Some of the things you thought you'd never get through, they don't even come to mind anymore because you've learned that, that you'll get through it. You, you learned you, you don't freak out like you used to. You don't lose your temper. You don't shed tears over things that you've been through that. That's why when people walk away now, you're just like, oh, I'm used to that. Bye. You know, bye. Bye. Hallelujah. When, 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 when things don't go wrong, when some a financial issue rises up, some of us don't lose our cool because you're just used to it. You're just like, whatever. My God should supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Thank you, Lord. And so you don't lose your cool over it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. The second point I want to make about this text is you did not cause the storm. Peter did not cause the storm. That's why I said earlier it was already factored in. There are some things that sometimes I believe the enemy tries to get in our mind and cause us to believe that, that we caused what's wrong. Peter did not go the wrong way. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. They were headed in the direction going to the other side. It was not that he took the wrong route. It is not what is going wrong in your life right now is because of something you did to cause it. You need to know it was factored in. It was already a part of that. Hallelujah. Just like Peter didn't go in the wrong direction, you didn't. You and I have got to stop allowing the voice of the enemy to accuse you and make you think that what you are facing right now is all your fault. Come on, somebody. Well, see, we're good at beating up ourselves many times, and sometimes we do do things that are our fault. But I want you to know the storm is not your fault. Because storms come no matter you, whether you're rich or poor. Storms come to male and female. Storms come to everybody of every race, color, and creed. Come on. Storms come no matter who you are and whose you are. Storms come to the sick and the healthy people. Everything I learned about God that matters in my life. Hear me when I say this. Everything that I learned about God that matters in life, I learned in a storm. That's why you need to start having a different outlook about the things that go wrong in this life. Everything I learned about God that matters, I learned in the storm. Everything I learned, it came through a crisis. Everything I learned about God came through heartache and disgrace. You hear me? Everything I learned about God, it came from being broken and lonely. Listen what I'm telling you. That's why you and I have got to start having a different outlook about what's going wrong and about those sudden storms that start rising up. Everything that I learned about God, it came through frustration and humiliation. Everything I learned about God came from those moments when I was in pain and thought I could barely move. Everything I learned about the Lord is my shepherd. I learned in a crisis. I, I, I learned the greatest things about God when the odds were stacked against me. When I thought I'd never make it out of the stuff. When I thought oh, I, I would never preach again or pastor again. When all those things, the greatest things I learned about God. I learned in the storm. And I learned to be steady in the storm. I learned don't back up, don't give up, don't back down, don't run from people, don't run from what people think. Because their, peep, their opinion is not my victory. 
I also learned that changing people's opinion is not victory. I say that because I don't need to be distracted trying to manage a storm that wasn't mine in the first place. I want you to notice these couple things about this text. Jesus didn't just rebuke the wind and the waves when they woke him. He also rebuked Peter. But what did Peter do wrong? Think about what Peter really did wrong. They were in a storm and the winds and the waves were crashing and felt like they were being overtaken. But what did Peter do wrong that made Jesus rebuke him? And I saw this. We can look at it many different ways, but this is a point I want to make. Peter forgot the power of his presence. Peter forgot the power of his presence. Do you know that when you and I lose it and we start freaking out when a storm rises, you're forgetting the power of his presence. Peter was, was addicted to, to the performance of Christ and not his presence. He had gotten so used to Jesus just showing up and healing the sick and setting those that are bound free and watching the lame walk, watching Jesus walk up on something and causing the blind to see. He'd gotten so addicted to the performance that he forgot that there's power just in his presence. Had Peter have recognized the power of his presence, he would have known, watch this, he would have known the storm was lying because he would have known there was no way Jesus could drown <laughs> because he came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He would have known that storm was raging, but it was a lie because Jesus says, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And, and going down is not abundance. See, this is where you and I need to start seeing ourselves in the boat that we, we the, the, the boat is the church and the world is the water. You and I need to realize that things are going to happen. Things are going to come out of nowhere, but you've got to remember the power of his presence. You've got to remember the power behind his presence and realize, look, I'm not going down because he's not going down. And because I, I'm connected to him, I know that he said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. So I'm not going to drown in this mess. I'm going to remain steady in the storm. Peter did not stay steady in the storm. He, he lost it. He, he got a little anxious and he got upset. But see, that the thing that I want you to understand about Peter is the fact that Jesus is still with you it is a sign the storm is a lie. You need to start recognizing that, yes, I'm in a storm right now. Yes, I don't know how this is going to get fixed or if it will anytime soon. But the fact that Jesus is still present, it's enough to let me know that the storm is a lie. Because if he's still with me, I know. I know that his word says he'll never leave me for forsake me. And I know, so in other words, it's my way of knowing I will get to the other side. Remember, Jesus said, let us go to the other side. He didn't tell them that the storm was going to happen. He didn't tell them that they were going to be filled with fear. He didn't tell them I'm going to go take a nap because I, I know what's about to happen. And I want to see if you remember what's in you is greater 
than what's going on around you. He, he, he didn't forewarn them like you and I don't get forewarned. But you need to recognize right now that if Jesus is still with you, it's a sign that the storm is a lie. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So I might, I, I might have to float towards the shore on pieces or on a, of a raft or on pieces of my boat. But Jesus is still with you. And his presence will take you and I through anything. I might come limping out of the storm. I might come through the storm battered, bloodied, and bruised. But Jesus is with me. I, I'm going to make it to the other side. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. P P Peter, Peter was in charge. And the Bible says he became hysterical. And what Jesus really wanted is Peter needed him to be a leader. God really needed him to be a leader. And God really wanted him to learn to be steady in the storm. Why was it important that Jesus try to teach him this lesson to be steady in the storm? And it was because, it was because God knew what was ahead that Peter could not see. God knew. Jesus knew, hey, Peter, you're going to preach the inaugural message on the day of Pentecost. Peter, I need you to learn to be steady right now because you're going to preach to over 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost. Tens of thousands of people are going to get saved because of your message. Peter, I need you to learn to be steady. I need you to know who I am. Peter, I need you to understand what I've invested in you and what you're about to receive on the inside of you, the promise of the Holy Ghost. It's like prego, it's in there. It's going to be enough to get you through when the storm arises that you'll be steady in the storm. That's what Jesus needed to teach Peter that day. He said, Peter didn't know what was coming. Jesus kept warning him. There's going to come a day I got to go. I, I needs must go. Kept telling him, but they didn't fully yet understand. Jesus was trying to get him to understand that there's something greater for you. Something bigger for you. He kept telling them and kept trying to advise him and the rest of the apostles. And yet, even in this moment, he didn't see it. And he got filled with fear and forgot who he was sailing with on the boat. And forgot all the investment that Jesus had made. And forgot about the power that resided on the inside of him. That final thing I want to mention to you about this is Peter failed to believe that he had what it took to get through what he was facing. He failed to believe that he had what it took. The fact that Jesus rebuked him for waking him up. Jesus rebuked Peter because he woke him up. You know why he rebuked him? He rebuked him for waking him up. Because Jesus wanted him to understand that he had already equipped him with enough stuff to make it through the storm. In other words, watch this. This was not a storm for Jesus to rebuke. This was a storm for Peter to rebuke. In other words, there are some things 
that you and I encounter in this life, we're trying to take it to God and say, God, fix this. God's saying, no, no, no. It's not that I have to fix it. It's not that you have to fix it. You need to remember who you are. You got to remember that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You got to remember that I've given you power and authority. See, see, Peter was asking Jesus to do what Jesus had called him to do. Remember, Jesus said, behold, I give you power over the enemy. I give you power over what is happening in your life. See, you and I give up power when you and I get frantic and frustrated. I know nobody ever gets frantic and frustrated but me. But God was showing me this week when I said, God, why does it have to be one thing after the other? God, why does it have to be all of these things? God, why are, why are we under attack? God, why, why, why does it feel like I don't get one thing fixed before another thing happens? God, why literally is every area of my life right now untouched by a storm? And that's when he said, Adam, because I need you to learn to be steady in the storm. I need you to learn to be steady in the storm. In other words, he says, Adam, don't give up power by getting frantic and frustrated. Don't allow your decisions to control your decisions. Don't, don't allow your emotions to control your decisions. Don't get frantic and frustrated. See, God needs some people right now in the body of Christ, in the days that we are living in, in the last days, you and I can't be a part of, of all the trouble that is out there where. Don't add storm to, to all the storms that are happening. You and I have to be a people and we have to be a place that will remain steady in the storm where we can be consistent. How many of you know that, that, that God doesn't need you and I to lose our temper and people around us that are depending on us can't afford you and I to lose our temper. You know, there are people that look to you and I for strength. Our community looks to you and I to be steadfast. I started thinking back when, when COVID hit and the world was frantic and the churches were shut down and all of that, we stayed steady. Temporarily, we didn't have in-person services. Temporarily, well, the governor wouldn't let us. And then we said, enough is enough. We stayed steady, though. We still broadcast. I came here and preached to an empty church. When people were struggling to get food, what did we do? We passed it out. We stayed steady. When money got tight, what did this church do? We stayed steady. And when I said to the Lord in prayer last Sunday night, late, and then into the early morning hours, I said, God, and I'll start closing with this. I said, God, why is every literally area, everything within my reach in a storm? He said, Adam, because I need you to be steady. Watch this. The final thing he said, it was literally like an audible voice I could hear in my house. I, I looked around. I'm not kidding. I looked around because I thought, there's somebody in this house. I may have ever just had that feeling. And it wasn't an eerie feeling. It was a feeling like, he is here. He is present. He made his presence known in that moment. I could feel the glory of God 
literally sit down on me on my couch. It was like a weight. Literally, it was like someone else sat down on my couch. You know, when someone sits down beside you, you can feel the, the give. He said, Adam, I need you to be steady in the storm. And then I felt that weight hit my little blue couch. And then he said, because you're about to get to the other side. That's the part that I didn't tell you earlier. The reason God needs you to be steady. And so I said, God, I'll tell him this when I preach next week. He said, Adam, the reason I need you to be steady. Church, the reason he needs you to be steady in the storm is because you're about to reach the other side. You can't see it because you're in the storm. How I many you know when you're in a storm and it's snowing real bad, you can't see real far ahead of you? You can't see that that snow squall was about to end. You, you can't see that you're about out of the heavy rain or the, about out of the thunderstorm, about out of the lightning. But God says, Adam, stay steady because you're about to reach the other side. And the text reads, and they reached the other side. One final thought I'll leave with you because I don't want you to get the wrong idea. They reached the other side to bring the message of the gospel to the Gentiles who had not heard it. The Bible says they get to the other side only for Jesus in them to meet a demon-possessed man. In other words, what you get for, from getting through one storm is breeze being introduced to your next storm. So when things happen one right after the other, this is what you need to remember. He's already built it into you. They literally didn't get a break from getting through a storm and thought they were going to drown and die and they're confronted with devils. But he had already built within them the ability, the mechanism, the strength to deal with it. That's why I think it not strange when you suffer trials of many kinds. Even the Bible says, after you have suffered a little while, I will perfect, strengthen and settle you. In other words, you're about to reach the other side. When you reach the other side, it doesn't mean there won't be another storm. But what I need you to understand is after you've suffered a little while, I'll perfect, I'll strengthen, and I'll settle you. And eventually, God's saying, if you just learn to be steady, not frantic and frustrated, and you'll hold your hand and keep that ship steady. You keep your emotions steady. Eventually, you're going to just go through stuff. And you're just going to know, I'm going to reach the other side. The winds may howl and the waves may crash over. And I might even take on some water. And I might have a momentary thought that I'm never going to make it through this. But if you'll just look over your shoulder and say, Jesus is still with me. So because Jesus is still with me, I, I, I know I'm not going to go down because he promised he'll never, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. So as long as Jesus is with me, I know I'm not going down. 
Come on, somebody. I, I know I'm not going down, so I'm going to stay steady in the storm. So, so I don't care whether you have $200,000 in the bank or $2. Stay steady. I don't care if your body is racked with pain or you're walking in great health today. Stay steady. I, I, I don't care if you walked in here depressed and frustrated or you walked in filled with the joy of the Lord. Stay steady. I don't care if people walked away and forsook you. Stay steady. I, it don't matter if they're talking about you. If there's those they're talking about you, they're not talking about me. Stay steady. Hallelujah. It, it doesn't matter whether your spouse made you so mad before you got here, you could scream and yell and spit nails. Stay steady. It doesn't matter if you're not getting the answers that you want. Stay steady. Because what the enemy wants more than anything is to get in your mind, to get you frustrated, irritable, and distraught to where you're looking at all the wrong things. No, 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 no. What Jesus needed to teach them is stay steady. Storms are going to come. The enemy is always going to come when you're weak and when you're already tired. Think it not strange, friends. That's why the Bible says that when you face trials of many kind, when you're tired and weary, recognize that for what it is know that that storm is a lie well, jesus is with me this is a lie all it's come is to frustrate me and irritate me i'm going to hold steady i'm going to stay steadfast and immovable looking i'm going to stay looking ahead how many of you know that when you're driving you keep looking where you want to go you don't look off to the side because if you do you're going to crash what the enemy comes to do in those moments like that of your life is he comes to distract you from where you're going. Because as long as you're looking over here, you're not going there. Hold steady. I'm going to stay steady in the storm. Church, we're going to be a church that's going to hold steady. I know we're in a storm right now. But we're going to hold steady in the storm. I, I know you're going through storms right now and sometimes we'll get weary and frustrated and tired but hold steady in the storm. Listen to me. You and I sometimes have to help one another hold steady. In, in, in the book of Acts, I, I, I'll share this and then I promise I'm going to close and, and I'm not going to even call you up for prayer today because it would, it, would, it would do the word an injustice. There, there are times for prayer and anointing. I, I believe in that. The Bible says calling the elders of the church and pray. This is a word about you knowing and remembering what's in you. Sometimes it's not a call to the preacher or it's not an anointing that you need. It is you knowing that God put enough in you to look to this storm and say, it's a lie. Because Jesus is with me. And I'm going to hold steady in this storm. The Bible speaks of, of a storm that Paul encountered. And it was such a fierce storm. The Bible says that the boat began to fall apart. So much so they had to put helps. It calls, the Bible calls them helps, but they're ropes up underneath the boat to help hold it together. Think about that. What the, what the good is ropes going to do? Hold an old wooden ship together. The Bible says that when the storm was over, those that remained, they floated to the shore on pieces of the ship but they made it Paul didn't just encounter that storm when he got to land he encountered another you need to think it not strange when your life is filled with one storm after the other after the other God's trying to get you steady 
You know what I heard the Lord say when he said, Adam, I need you to be steady in the storm. It's because there's been times in our life some of us haven't always been steady. Dependable. God says, I need you. I need everybody that's looking at you to know that you're going to stay steady. Do you know that there are people that don't ever attend here? There's people that watch online that, re- that, that, that exist and depend on us being steady and broadcasting so they can get the message of the gospel streamed into their home or into their nursing home. If we wouldn't stay steady, they wouldn't get it. Because we're steady at giving out food, people eat. Now God says, I need you to maintain stability and be steady emotionally. God says, you're going to get through it because what is in you is greater than what's going on around you. You need to trust in the God that is within you more than what you are seeing around you. As long as Jesus is there, the storm is alive. And if you're being confronted with the storm, speak to it. You don't have to. It's meant for you to speak to the storm. And you will stay steady in the storm. My God, that's some good stuff today. I'm preaching where you are today. And I know it because it's where I am. Steady in the storm. When someone around you starts losing their mind, I heard this message this week, just look at them and say, hey, stay steady in the storm. When Lois starts yelling, David, just say, hey, Lois, stay steady in the storm. When you see me starting to get anxious and frustrated, say, hey, preacher, stay steady in the storm. Will you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. If you're able to stand, stand. Listen, I want to pray for you. That you would have the ability, the endurance to stay steady in this storm you were facing. I'm going to pray that you have the emotional fortitude to keep this word in your mind this week that when the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, you'll remember. You're going to hold on and stay steady. You're not going to blow up, lash out, become hysterical. I'm going to stay steady because, Lord, you said I'm about to reach the other side. Hmm. And the reward for getting through this storm is being introduced to my next storm. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray for you and everybody that's online. And then when we're through praying on your way out today, you can give your tithes and offerings up here if you have them. People that are watching online, you can give. We appreciate you being faithful in that. And as you give, the Bible says he'll give to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Father, I thank you right now for your word today that reminds us to stay steady in the storm. There's a thousand and one things I could preach. This is the word that you gave me. That Lord, we're going to stay steady and know that Lord, as long as we look over our shoulder and as long as we know that you are still present, the storm is alive because Lord, you've invested and placed things on the inside of us and the power of the Holy Spirit is at work on us. And so greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. 
I thank you, Father, today that, Lord, whatever storms of this life that, Lord, we are enduring and going through, whether it's physical, financial, emotional, spiritual, God, whatever storms people are enduring and whatever areas of their life that they're enduring them, Father, I pray that this word would resound in their hearing this week, resound in their thinking, God, that it would come back to their remembrance, God, over and over again, that, Lord, they're going to stay steady in the storm, I pray. Steady in the storm. They don't have to fix it. They just got to stay steady. And God, as we stay steady in the storm, we're, we're, we're crossing over. I'm thankful that, God, we're about to cross over into, God, what you've promised. Yes, we might be introduced to another storm, but, Lord, we're, we're one step closer, God, to what you've promised. And so, Father, I pray for the strength and the fortitude. I, God, I pray for the clarity of mind. God, I even speak to every storm along with them today, and we rebuke every storm that we're facing and enduring. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And, God, I pray that you will just breathe strength and endurance gone upon your church. I pray that God, you would give the clarity of mind and the peace of God would take over their mind, would take over their emotions, God, in every facet and aspect of life. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, great and mighty, powerful God that you are. I thank you, God, for your word that gives us encouragement and the help that we need God to get through. God, I pray that you will cause those that hear this word today just to stay steady in the storm. God bless their offering and their tithe. God bless the people who give online. Bless faithful givers and God multiply it. Bring increase in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I, I pray God for every person in a financial storm right now. We just say it's a lie because it's contrary to your word. And so, Father, we rebuke it for what it is. I speak blessing and prosperity. I speak, God, total favor over their finances, God. I pray that, God, you would bless them and, and, and provide resources that they had not anticipated, God. Open doors that had looked like they were shut, God. Provide bring provision, God, that they had never even anticipated. I pray in the name of Jesus that, God, this storm is a lie. And I thank you, Lord provision and blessing and prosperity over their life in the name of Jesus. God bless the week ahead for these people. God, let it be a week that they just be steady in the storm. And God, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus Christ, your mighty, wonderful, and powerful name, we say today, amen and amen. The church, have a blessed, powerful, great, and steady week in the name of Jesus. God bless you.